0: We're talking
1: real money. Well, I think it's Friday again. That must mean I need to answer some of your questions, which is a good thing because I look forward to it. And we've got a lot of questions that came in from the website from talkingrealmoney.com where you used your computer to speak them just like I use my computer to record this darn thing. So... Uh, appreciate you doing that and uh, it's really easy to do. Just go to talkingrealmoney.com and click on the contact button, form, link, whatever. Uh, and you'll you'll notice the new websites up. There are a couple of links that aren't working properly in the get help section. It's because I'm having to redo them from scratch and do some more research. So it'll be some new material there, but otherwise it's reasonably functional for all the basic purposes. So Check it out, TalkingRealMoney.com. And please tell friends, neighbors, relatives, everybody about the podcast because we've slipped out of the top 50, and I'm very sad about that. So here we go. We're going to get this thing started right now with a question that came in through TalkingRealMoney.com.
2: Hi, Tom and Don. This is Stuart from Cleveland, Ohio. I have a few comments and a few questions about money market funds. I have accounts at Schwab and Fidelity I notice a few differences. First, in Schwab, I have the options to purchase SWVXX paying 4.27% or SNVXX paying 3.94%. In Fidelity, there is FDRXX paying 3.98% and SPAXX paying 3.95%. One difference I saw between Fidelity and Schwab is that Fidelity, your money market fund, can be your core position, meaning you can buy stocks and ETFs instantly using those funds. However, with Schwab, you must sell the money market fund and move it into a cash position, which requires an overnight transaction before you can use that money So I can see there being an advantage to to the Fidelity situation where you can spend that money immediately. The other thing is those expense ratios on those funds can be slightly high, 0.42%, for example, for SPAXX. My question for you is when comparing these funds, do we need to factor in the expense ratios or do those yields already reflect the expense being removed from those funds. Thank you so much for everything you do. And I look forward to hearing your comments on this. Thank you.
1: That ability to to make purchases directly out of the money market fund, that is a small benefit for Fidelity. I don't think it's a huge benefit though, because most of the people who listen to us shouldn't be doing a lot of buying and selling. That one day can make a teeny tiny difference But we don't time the market, and it's just a fraction of a fraction of a penny. You know, it's just (laughs) fractions of fractions of pennies that we're talking about in, in potential loss from the money market to the cash account. So I don't see that as a major deal. As for the yields, the returns are dependent upon primarily two things, and you raised one of them. The yield you see is the yield you'll get. So those numbers you quoted at the time you looked at them were correct for the Schwab money market funds and for the Fidelity money market funds. So for practical purposes, you really only need to look at the yield. I mean, we could get into the weeds and talk about the risks of these various funds because there are risks, by the way, with all of them. But the, uh, the those that are, purely in government-backed securities, which for the most part includes repos, which have a little bit of risk in them. There's a little risk in all of these. And the fees you don't really see, and the reason they're so high for money market funds is because they don't don't hold securities long-term. They're moving in and out of the portfolio all the time. So there's a lot of activity, a lot of things people have to do. That raises the expense ratio. But And, again, there are risks that these things could break the buck someday in a really, really horrible scenario. So don't think they're riskless because they're not. But, relatively speaking, the risks are quite low. So I would would probably use the money market that was in with the company I most liked working with that offered the terms I preferred and had the highest yield at the time. I would just go – it would be a purely yield-based decision because they all have slightly high expense ratios. So thanks for the call. It's a it's an interesting topic and one we haven't talked about much. If you want to ask a question, just go to TalkingRealMoney.com and hit the contact form. You can also call us at 855-935-TALK and have those questions recorded and answered on a future show. Or you can call us actually during our live show, which is available to everybody anywhere every Saturday from three to five Eastern time or noon to two Pacific. And you can call that same number eight, five, five, nine, three, five, talk eight, five, five, nine, three, five, eight, two, five, five. Here's another question that came in from the talking real money website.
3: Hi, Don. And I'm saying just Don, because I assume this will be on your question and answer segment, uh, on Friday or Saturday. Um, I am calling to ask you if you know of any resources for finding out about how the best way to structure your Medicare subscription. I have a friend who's a school teacher and she's getting close to retirement, still working, but 71. So she's, um, getting ready to, uh, get medicare the insurance that the school provides is terrible and i think she should switch to medicare but trying to balance the needs and what level of of medicare she needs to get and what kind of supplemental insurance she needs to get is like very difficult for her and i have found for myself looking into it to be able to sort of sort it out. I'm wondering if maybe you know of a website or, um, you know, some kind of a tool that can be used to figure out what the best way to, uh, to structure your health insurance needs or your health insurance uh, requirements, I guess, in retirement. Anyway, I hope that makes sense. And, You say anything having to do with money. So
1: there it is. Oh, my. It's a great question. It's a great question. And I actually do have a resource, maybe even a couple, because I'm doing the same thing. I I don't know when I'm going to retire, but there will come a day when I will no longer have my private insurance through work. Hopefully it's a long time, but and when I'll have to go to Medicare and I've gone to do research on Medicare, quite a bit of it. And the the Medicare.gov tool is actually pretty darn good. It can show you specific plans in your area and give you what you would pay for certain prescription drugs and show you what your total, your worst case total out of pocket would be. Uh, it doesn't tell you whether going straight Medicare or Medicare Advantage is better. There are some. Concerns. There are some great benefits of Medicare Advantage, and there are some concerns. One, you have to watch out to, to make sure your doctors or those you want are included in the plan. And the second thing is, is that often these are regional plans, and if you go outside of that, you're all out of, out of network. So you've got to be a little careful about that. But I have many times gone to medicare.gov plan dash compare. And it's it's a very helpful tool, really. It's from the government, I know, but it's a very helpful tool. And you can do the whole thing anonymously, even if you want. You don't have to have an account, or you can set up an account, and then it remembers everything. So uh, I would check that out. And then the other thing I would do is uh, sign up for Retire Meet. We have had an expert speak at the last several Retire Meet events. And he is so good. He would also possibly be a great resource after the fact. Um, his name is Kevin Peterson, and he's speaking at 9:45 Pacific time during Retire Meet, which you can. Oh my gosh! If you're in the Seattle area, I think we're right at selling out. Um, but you can attend it virtually from anywhere. Just go to retiremeet.com, and it's free. And Kevin's a great resource for Medicare information. So I would check that out, but I would also go to the medicare.gov compare, plan compare site. It's really good information. Thanks for the question. It's a good one. And you were right. It was just Don. It's the way it works on Fridays. I could bring Tom in if you want. Now we've got another question from talkingrealmoney.com.
4: Hey, Tom and Don, or Don and Tom. However you guys want to be called that. I'll let you guys arm wrestle it over. Um, I'm, I have a question in regards to active managers of active funds. <clears throat> Knowing that most active management uh, has a very hard time beating their indexes, uh, I'm kind of wondering how come these active managers don't do more rules-based types of managing like Avantis or Dimensional? That you guys talk about. It just seems like I don't understand, other than greed potentially, which probably is a big driver of it. With all the statistics out there that show how passively managed index funds or these rules based funds that are, I believe, still semi passive or a hybrid of it, uh, are just better, they're cheaper to own, and they outperform. Most of the time, these actively managed funds that are high cost. Mike, I'm just curious, like, what what is the mindset of the actual active manager when they go in to do this? Like, if they're so mathematically inclined, I don't understand why they aren't doing that themselves to get better performance. Anyhow, that's my question. I'm on lots of different Facebook uh, finance groups and a lot of them like to um, choose actively managed funds. And I'm trying to be a truth teller and and uh, get the truth out there with what what works and what's what's the best stuff. So appreciate you guys, you guys, and Paul Merriman. Sound invested are my top two podcasts that I look forward to listening to all the time. Have a great day. Bye.
1: Thanks for listening and thanks for trying to spread the truth that. <laughs> us apparently seems really obvious but not to the public because the vast majority of investors still look for active management it's indoctrination to some extent it's human nature to another it's selling too uh, and as a matter of fact I think we underestimate the power of selling selling accounts for a lot of it a lot of the the reason people are in active funds is because of good salesmanship good salespersonship um, but your question as to why would a manager manage a fund when they know that they're not likely to win well I guess, you know, the same question can be asked of, why does a high school kid play football with the dream of going into the NFL? I, they, we, we think we're better than we are. We are a little delusional as a species. Uh, it's probably been good for us, but I'm not going to get into sociology or anthropology. However, I think the biggest driver of your question, why are these managers managing these funds is money. One, there is demand for active funds. Okay. Two, there are people who will sell them apparently. And three, an active fund hires active managers. There aren't any jobs for active managers at rules-based or index funds. In fact, There really isn't a lot of room for managers. The manager really is just overseeing what the computers are doing because with an index, it's basically you just, the computer says buy this index in these proportions, With rules-based funds, the computer says, here are the guardrails. We do not deviate from those guardrails. And here are the percentages we buy in these various asset classes. So there's a great deal of similarity there. And while a lot of these rules-based funds want to call themselves active because, well, we're doing a little more. We're not just passive. You see, they, they believe passive has negative connotations. I'm all over passive as an investor. I don't want... But to me, active means I'm actively picking things. I'm trying to outperform the market by doing special stuff because of my big, fat brain. And I'm going to get paid really well for it. And as a matter of fact, they do get paid very well for it. I I just pulled up a couple of funds really quickly that are very similar in their approach. They both try to, well, one tries to mimic, one tries to beat the global stock market. Invesco Global A, which is a loaded fund with an expense ratio of over 1% per year versus the Vanguard Total World Stock Index Fund, which has an expense ratio of less than one-tenth that of the Invesco fund. Now, just with that alone, if they both performed equally, you would expect the Vanguard fund to win, right? Well, in fact, it wins by more than that, at least over the past three years, which is all the history we have for the, the Admiral shares, the VTWAX, three-year return for that's been a little over 6% per year. Whereas with the Oppenheimer fund, it's been less than half that. Now, that's not saying it they won't beat it at times, because they might. But the reason, and I think the reason is twofold. Money, probably number one. Ego, definitely number two. Yeah. I, in fact, I think money is definitely number one. Let's not beat around the bush. It's money. It's always about money, which is why we have a show about money, which is why we encourage you to call. And by the way, thank you for your great question and commentary eight five five nine three five talk is our phone number and uh, in addition you can actually speak your questions into your microphone at talkingrealmoney.com much like this
5: mic check mic check give me all the checks hey y'all this is brian i'm calling in response to a caller who called at the last q a and left a question he was wondering if there was a brokerage Where he could automate his investing with ETFs. He currently can do it with mutual funds, he said, which is fairly standard for mutual funds, but not so standard for ETFs. One of the few drawbacks of an ETF is that you can't automate the process. Well, until now, at M1 Finance, you can automate your investing with ETFs. I'm an M1 user and I didn't think I could, but when he asked the question, I went into my account, set up a rule for $50 to be transferred from my bank account over to my Roth on the 23rd of every month. Boom, set the rule. And I deleted it immediately because I like to do it manually myself. But for those who are interested in the automation of ETFs with their investing, M1 might be a good choice. I was pleasantly surprised because I have a free account and I didn't think I could do that with a free uh, account. I thought I had to have an M1 Plus paid account Looks like I don't. Looks like you don't either if you want to go that route. Maybe you have to have a minimum balance in your account to do that. You know, I have no idea. Just a heads up. You might want to research if it's worth it. And Don, heads up. This is an SM7B Sure microphone with a Apollo Twin interface. When you used it last week on the ask a question tab just to test if it would work. I, you know, being an audio guy, I had to immediately go do it myself, which is why I'm doing it today. I was already going to go record. I'm a musician. And this microphone is standard for radio personalities and podcasters. But I have it for more active singing, dynamic performances, and even drums sometimes. It works well for that. You know, I'm sure the whole audience is riveted by this conversation. Back to talking real money.
1: <laughs> that was a great call. That was really good. SM7B, yeah, that's a pretty good mic. Uh, it it is used more for broadcasting. It's it, the the SM7B and the uh, the uh, RE20 from Electrovoice, Voice. Those are those are really good broadcast mics. I it, I've not heard of them being used very much for for vocals, but it sounded good. It sounded good. And you raise a really good point. Another another point scored by M1. M1's an interesting brokerage firm. It is... It's an upstart, and they're doing some great things. Uh, and I checked, and uh, anybody can do automated share purchases. There's uh, no minimum that I'm aware of that I could find. And you, it's not part of the M1 Plus membership. The big advantage to the M1 Plus appears to be <laughs> crypto trading. Oh, boy! Margin loans and um, a new savings account that they're getting ready to do, which might make sense for people with big balances in savings because they're they're touting a four point five percent rate. So a couple of advantages for M1 and look at how good you can sound when you call talking real money with a really good mic uh that that uh that sm7b though has got just it's got it's got even more bass i think than my uh my 416 which is what i'm using now by the way i don't think i was using it the last time i think i was on the um the neumann u87 i think i was on the neumann i'm a i'm a microphone fiend i love good mics up to a point <laughs> <laughs> I've got some obscure mics. I've got a mic like, it's a—it's called a Saturn. Looks very retro. I've got my uh, Sphere, my Townsend Sphere that's an emulator. Uh, this is for all you mic people out there. And apparently, I would have never thought there was a mic geek out there. But it's at least two of us now. Uh, give us a call, 855-935-TALK, or send in your question at TalkingRealMoney.com. I'm just having fun today. Let's get another one.
2: Hello, Don and Tom. Thanks a lot for the solid information you guys always provide on your podcast. Uh, the question I have is, I received my Vanguard uh, 2022 end-of-year tax forms. I seem to remember in years uh, gone by uh, in, in the down markets that there would be capital gain losses, but uh, not so this year, just uh, dividends that I've, uh, I've gotten. Um My portfolio is in the 500 index, the extended market index, and the uh, total bond market index. Uh, Am I not understanding something? Uh, Thanks a lot for any input. And there's
1: an example of a not-so-good mic. (laughs) See the difference? Your computer mic makes a difference. And uh, there are some just little inexpensive, decent USB—well, inexpensive is relative. I know, $100 or so. You can get some decent mics that hook up to your computer. Uh, the question distributed capital losses, not done distributed capital gains done because they have to, but they don't have to distribute losses and they wouldn't distribute losses. They're going to keep those internally to offset gains so that they have a smaller capital gains distribution. As a matter of fact, I don't think that funds would distribute and They would probably love not to distribute capital gains, just add them back in. But it is required that if they realize a gain in a tax year, they have to distribute it, but not losses. So um, it just reduces the losses they take, reduce the capital gains distribution. And remember, the whole point is the mutual funds are supposed to make money. Therefore, capital gains should be the rule. And internal internal capital losses should be relatively rare, although they do try to take some, some active funds, try to take some to offset gains. Thanks for the call. And I think we have time. Well, we don't have time, but I'm going to make time anyway for one more question.
6: Hey, Tom and Don. How you guys doing? Hey, this is Andrew. I got a question. My wife's in a 403B1 or 403 b and uh, it's Voya, Calsters 2 here in California. Um, good funds, Vanguard. I use the cheapest ones. But they're essentially, their administration fees is 0.25%. Essentially, a yeah, 12B1. Um, I've found another company or vendor that I could go to that doesn't charge um a 12b1 essentially they charge like 70 bucks a year plus what the funds charge vanguard funds but it's a pain in the butt to change vendors so i was thinking of stopping the, the calsters too and putting it into the you know the other the other company that gives you Vanguard funds, too, think this is a good idea? let me know
1: guys thanks well, it's not a bad idea because the the funds that she has already are fine funds, and the fee's not that high. It's not usurious. it's not ridiculous, although you're right. you probably if she's making large contributions you'll you'll pay likely pay less with a flat $70 a year fee and the same funds in essence. So yeah, just make the switch now. Just have new monies go into the new plan and leave the old ones where they are uh, for now until the day comes when she maybe leaves and rolls it over into an IRA or something. But no, nothing at all wrong with that plan. Not at all. Thanks for the call. All right, since that one was short, I'm going to do one more. I know, I'm going over. Hang on. You might like this one. I don't know what it is. I'm just going to find out right now with you.
7: This is Sandra from Alexandria, Virginia. Like everybody says, thanks for everything you guys do. Sometimes you talk about topics in the news. I'd like to ask your opinion on a topic that I can't help but wonder why it hasn't been in the news until now. The collapse of the international IRA custodial investment firm, Regal Assets. On February 4th, the political blog The Daily Beast published an expose on regal assets. The company had been in business over 10 years and was praised as a model safe, ethical, transparent, low fee IRA custodial firm with hundreds of positive reviews and a triple A rating by multiple consumer organizations. That was enough to convince many clients to transfer their IRAs out of company like Fidelity and Schwab to pursue higher portfolio gains. Regal Assets CEO Tyler Gallagher frequently created helpful financial advice columns and podcast interviews, giving consumers advice on how to investigate and wisely choose investment firms and financial advisors. Reviewers said, and this is a direct quote, Regal Assets puts their customers first and doesn't use a pushy sales approach, unlike other companies out there. In September last year, CEO Gallagher vanished in a thin air, and at least tens of millions of dollars of client funds vanished with him. Given the outrage over Bernie Madoff and later Samuel Bankman Freed, why was there complete silence about this major heist? Nada. Zip crickets they are only outrage unanswered pleas for help on consumer sites, and a fact that many of the exceptionally enthusiastic recommendations are slowly and quietly disappearing. Mr Gallagher's costs oh, columns are also disappearing, some remain, but his byline has missed mysteriously disappeared many clients were positive they did due diligence when they moved their iris to a highly regarded custodial firm with an outstanding reputation i think a lot of us did not realize that yes a company officer really can just confiscate people's life savings and disappear what red flag should people with self-directed iris look for i can't help but wonder what other potential cases are out there
1: Wow. I'm glad I took that one Uh, because if what I'm seeing is true, I I just looked it up on Daily Beast um, (laughs) and I'm looking at this story right now. Oh no, this is one of those gold IRAs that was on the, you know, on radio and television on, on certain media, you know, the, the, with the media where they try to sell, they sell a lot of gold, you know, the certain radio shows and TV talk shows, they, they sell a lot of gold, particularly on the radio. And this looks like it was a gold IRA. And I'm looking at a picture of Tyler Gallagher and I, I can tell you the red, the, the first red flag, uh, would be his picture. That would be the first red flag. He's a young punk standing in front of a Bentley, literally a young punk. That's what he looks like to me. Um, I, I'm sorry. No offense to all you young people out there, but I generally don't trust young people with this great new thing because there are no great new things out there. And Again, I don't know a lot about it. The story says, and this is just the the reason, the reason this isn't all over the place is because this is relatively new stuff. This is only from a few days ago that this Daily Beast story was published. So I'm sure a lot of other people are going to be looking into it. As a matter of fact, I think I'll probably send this to a couple of my friends at the New York Times and the wall street journal because i think they probably get a kick out of it particularly considering whose shows this stuff was advertised on Um, if this is all true it's a pretty big deal it's a billion dollar potential scam potential i don't know that it is again i'm reading this for the first time Right now. And it, these were these darn gold IRAs. Hate gold IRAs? You know, that's a red flag. A gold IRA. It's a stupid idea. Let's put all our money in something that costs a lot of money to store and has never, ever, ever in history made anybody money except those who mined it out of the ground. And for the most part, they were few and far between. You know, uh, uh, and people say they did their research with whom did they do their research? That's the thing. Any idiot can write an article in Forbes anymore. I, we've talked about dozens of articles that were written for Entrepreneur Magazine and Kiplinger's and all of these things that, are, that, that aren't vetted. They're not vetted. They just pay to play. So I, I have a sneaking notion that you'll probably be hearing more about this in the not-too-distant future. And I know that I will be sending this along to um, some of the more mainstream truth tellers out there. Sorry, guys, but it's true. Um, <laughs> this, uh, I'm sorry, I'm exasperated. Those are the sounds of exasperation. Yeah, this is supposed to be a hedge against the stock market downturns. That's, that's the red flag. It's that it's something special. There's nothing special. There's nothing special out there, period. Thank you all for being a part of this. <laughs> it ended on a on an interesting note. I uh, totally appreciate you, and please spread the word. And uh, if we can help you, we do have an advice firm, and I promise you we're not going to try and sell you anything Not even anything special. We don't have anything special. And we don't sell. But we'll help. We'll help anybody. Just go to TalkingRealMoney.com and click on Meet an Advisor. And you won't get pushed to put your money into something. And by the way, um, here's the deal. Make sure if you're putting your IRA into something, put it in something that is actually a big, fat, reputable firm that you know, you already know it, you know, Schwab, you know, Fidelity, you know, Vanguard, just use those kind of companies. Okay. Make sure if you get an advisor, make sure the money you give them goes into a Fidelity or a Schwab account, not into Bernie Madoff fund. Don't make your checks out to Bernie Madoff or who was this guy's name? Who looks like a punk. He really does. He looks like a punk. High school. Is he a high school dropout? Yeah, high school dropout. Lived in a homeless shelter at sixteen. Took five thousand dollars and turned it into a successful company investing in precious metals. What? Uh, just all sounds, all sounds like um, bunches and bunches of lies just lies anyway uh (laughs) i digress again go to talkingrealmoney.com meet one of our advisors you won't get sold anything you might learn something you definitely will get you definitely will get some free help take care of yourselves we will be doing a live show on saturday every saturday you can call us between three and five eastern at 855-935-TALK where tom and i and you will be talking real money